Hello? Hey, I think I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. How was your week, man? It's been all right. How about yours? It's been pretty good. It's been slow-paced. Well, slow-paced in some ways and fast-paced in other ways. Like, things are changing fast, but all of the things that are happening are still slow-paced things. So it's like from from day to day, my plans are changing because everyone's changing from spring to summer. So, like, some people are going on vacation. Some people are traveling. Some people are not traveling. Some people haven't made decisions about... Uh, you know, when they're going to start back up for the summer or if they're going to wait till fall or so it's day by day, people are being shuffled around, but then ultimately it doesn't really, it doesn't result in that much work. Like I have more kind of canceled spots than, than filled spots. So it's been like chill, but then with also the juggling. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, oh, you know what I did do? I uh, started filling in on some Black Mirror that I hadn't seen. You ever seen that show? What is it called? Black Mirror. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Netflix? Yeah, it's like yeah, like a cheesy modern-day Twilight Zone. Yeah, I've heard of it. I just haven't watched it. Yeah, I... <laughs> I... Don't know what I like. Well, I guess I like I. That's what I like about it. I like the fact that it is like a cheesy modern day Twilight Zone. That's what I like. Don't they have the Twilight Zone on Netflix now? They do. They you can. Off? I think. Yeah, you can go. I think they have back to the old school black and white ones. Yeah, because I think I remember seeing it on there. Yeah, I, I thought I heard this. them supposed to be making some new uh, seasons of it too. Oh, new Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh man. That's probably going to be cool. Nice. Well, good. What you been playing, man? Uh, kind of the same stuff. But now that I've been... Uh, I got heavier set strings. I've been playing lower drop tuning a lot more Oh, now. what gauge you got on there now? Uh, it's like a, it's a custom set that I bought. I got... The low E is a 52, and the high E is a 10. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice spread. That 10's going to still be nice and snappy, you know? Like, that's still going to have some some punch, some grit to it. Yeah, it's a, not... it's a heavier top and a lighter bottom. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, and well, when you say the top, you mean closer to your face, right? Like the yeah. Yeah. Low strings. Yeah, I've been thinking about ways, like, I've been trying to think outside the box and, like, what if I were going to invent my own instrument to teach people music? And I think it would just be the most literal thing possible. Like, all the high notes go at the top. Easy peasy. Yeah, most people say it that way anyways. Yeah, exactly, you know, I want to, because the guitar, there's all these weird little things that make it hard to standardize. You know, like, it's... You know, the strings go from high to low, which if you're looking at it, like if I'm me, it makes less sense. But if I'm you looking at me, it makes more sense because then I can count from the bottom. It's like I'm stacking. But even then, yeah, counting from the bottom sounds it's weird. Like you would expect the first string 
to be the fat string. Yeah. In this case. But yeah, so that I think there would be some way to change the tone, but I would make it like it's darker on the darker. Like I would paint it darker where the tone is darker, and then I would paint it brighter <laughs> where the tone is brighter. Kind of like a, um, kind of like a effect on the guitar, like a sunburst or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be. Have you ever seen a uh, a harpeggi? It kind of rings a bell. It's probably something. I think I'm. I hope I'm saying it right. It's basically think about like. If your guitar was just the fretboard, but then the fretboard was like 10 times wider and you had that many more strings. I think of so it's like something a big, like it. Yeah, it's a big square or rectangular, I guess, but a big square fretboard. Um, Did they use it so like that, in medieval type times or so? Oh, okay. So it looks it looks very similar to that. You're thinking of yeah, like a zither or like a hammered dulcimer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So picture like the same thing, except instead of it just being wood and you like just hit the strings from above, the actual fretboard of it is a fretboard like with frets. So you to get to the next note, you can move to the next string or you can move up to the next fret. So it's like a grid system guitar fretboard yeah 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 so yeah exactly it's like a piano guitar hybrid basically because you play it you know by hammering on each note and then you either slide or you move to another one but i think it would be cool to teach on that because the like the principles are all there laid out very simply yeah because i think that's the thing people trying to learn music it's just about figuring out what language works for you, you know? Like, I think some people, they, I don't know, they they get it stuck in their head like, oh, if I'm going to be a musician, I have to play this instrument. And so they're all wrapped up in the instrument. But I think a lot of people, it's, it's more about finding what tickles your artistic fancy enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a cool way to put kind of like playing the guitar in an instrument and language. I usually would, you, I usually say like an instrument is like kind of like exercising. Everybody goes at it on their own way. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Exercising. That's the perfect thing. Cause like two people, even if they are exactly the same, like size and body mass on paper, their endurance is different. Their mood is different. What they like to do is different. So, you know, you put two people through the same workout, they're going to get different stuff out of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's or especially, especially like with a personal trainer, like you'll do it his way for a while and you'll make it your own way. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like just helping people to see it as like something you train more than something you learn you know like if you're learning to do i don't know like a specific kind of basket weaving like you know i'm gonna go and learn this folk style that comes from this specific place in this specific lineage 
I feel like that's one way. And you can learn guitar like that. You can learn music. You can learn anything like that. But I think there's a difference between the type of artists who, you know, could pick up a, a paintbrush or a lump of clay or finger paints or, you know, what have you. I think that there are, like, artistic principles that people need to learn or i mean not need to learn but that are fun to learn that are satisfying to learn they go beyond the instrument you know they go beyond i am playing a guitar or i'm playing a drum kit you know it's like i'm trying to make something exciting yeah go ahead also also the whole working out idea kind of goes back to guitar too because sometimes i can like not play a song for a while and i can come back and i know it better than what i played like last time i played Yeah, practicing away from the instrument and just letting your brain marinate on stuff. Yeah, people. Yeah, it's underestimated because it's so easy. On paper, it's so easy just to think about something. Yeah, but actually but doing I'm sure it you've is also, different. Yeah, actually doing it is different. Yeah, well, you've probably noticed that there are some weeks where your mind is taken up by something else and you come back to the instrument and you're like, whoa, I haven't thought about this at all. But then there will be other weeks where you've had, there's been more space in the week. Maybe the weather was a little bit better. You know, some like little detail of something was different to where you had that free moment to like let your mind wander. And then because you have been playing, it's in those moments that it all sneaks its way in. But I'm sure you've noticed it's kind of different from week to week. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's so cool. They talk about that um, when they mention Einstein. There's some name for this type of thinking, but there's like um, the skill of thinking about a problem and working on it while you're away from it. You know, so Einstein was famous for having different things. You know, he would go on walks and he would do different kinds of things. And part of his process was kind of getting in flow state but not necessarily sitting down right then to work on the problem, just kind of allowing it to run in the background. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, well, very cool. What do you think? Then also, yeah, go ahead. then also like going back to that working out idea, you also change up how you do things. Like you might play a different genre of music every other day or every other week, kind of like working out, like you have to do different workouts or you might not, depending on how you feel. Yeah, that's very true. And for all different reasons too, right? Like it might be that a specific muscle group is getting overworked and so you want to change something. But then it could also just be your personal taste, like to stay engaged mentally in the game, you know, you're changing the game for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's so true. And I, that's why sometimes it's hard for me to articulate to people exactly what my path has been to learn this instrument, because I've always studied with teachers, but that's always been like 50% of what I do. You know, I'm, I'm very similar to you. Like I've always got kind of my own little path that comes from you know, watching TV, watching YouTube, seeing how other people do it, you know, listening to albums, uh, you know, eventually writing my own stuff and developing a workflow to critique that. But it's always been like, how, what am I going to do to keep myself interested? You know, so sometimes, you know, my practice for a week will be like, well, 
one day all I did was I looked up a random YouTube about how to play a Django Reinhardt song. I picked out one lick, got distracted, and then later on through the week kept coming back to that one lick, and now it's kind of wandered its way into my playing. But it's like, it would be hard to articulate that directly to someone as like, this is a lesson plan that you're going to follow, because it's more like I had this practice in place, this set of habits, and it realized itself that particular week in that way. But, you know, just like you said, it's it's going to be different from week to week, according to like chasing my own interests. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the name of the game, man, is like following your inspiration. And it's it's sometimes difficult, but it's always very rewarding to help people through moments where they've lost that inspiration. Yeah, definitely. I know definitely like just talking to the people that you haven't talked to before about music also helps because when I meant, when I went to go see my uh, the first time. Uh, when I go go see my mom's uh boyfriend, he played guitar. We really talked about it for a while because it was a new person yeah. to talk to about it. Right, absolutely. Like having the excitement of inter uh, of exchanging ideas with a new personality, but then on top of that. Yeah, like someone who you know plays and you know has spent a long time playing, but you're still both finding each other. Yeah, and there is that first conversation, that one conversation is really fun, really rewarding. It kind of allows you to like triangulate your own position, you know, having someone you don't know and encountering them and experience how like, you know, because you're also experiencing how he is hearing you right Mm -hmm. like he's hearing your ideas but then you're seeing his reaction to that so you're kind of allowing yourself to see your own progress in your own position in a new way at the same time yeah also it's kind of like have you ever watched like an anime or like oh something that has to do with like people going to multiple like like trainers or anything like that Oh, to- totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, one of the many training sequences of like Dragon Ball Z yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, there's all, all the different stages and they go to different masters. Yeah, you always notice how they usually pick up or will keep one little thing of what they've learned from people. I kind of find that to be similar with playing guitar, too. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you have like. Uh, a little nugget from each teacher that you're kind of working with at any given time. And yeah, they pop back up. Um, yeah, these nuggets of wisdom. But I think the the key is that it's something that kind of, it sinks into the background and then comes up over and over again. You know, it's more it's more like things that ring true. And so that's why you remember them over time as opposed to just, you know, someone told you at the moment you learned it. Yeah. It's more like things that prove themselves to be true. Especially if you like been with them for a while, like even as for a couple months or so, you definitely pick up on them. Because I know, technically, he's my second guitar teacher, but he's kind of like my first like major guitar teacher that I had for a while. It's uh, yep. Dave Dion. He he'd always uh-huh. play this little, uh, always play this lick. Uh... <laughs> He always played that lick. 
Yes. That was like Yeah. I remember so every cool. time I'd go into his uh every time I'd go into his office that'd be the main thing that I'd play the first thing that I'd go to. Mm-hmm. Then when I went back to him for my second time or so, uh, that was kind of like he he was starting to play uh, finger picking wise, and that's kind of how I started picking up on my uh, how I play with one finger and pick with the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I like that it's especially for someone with a mind like yours like this is something that you observed and kind of picked up it's not like he had some kind of like like you know uh seven easy steps for mastering whatever kind of guitar and like you know there's no it wasn't like he had some kitschy step-by-step structure it was like he was just demonstrating a way of being that you were able to pick up yeah mm-hmm. Especially yeah, with, like uh, that, especially yeah. just little advices that people give you too that you kind of take to heart. You know, um, the guitar teacher that I had before you, uh, John Allison, he was always he always talked about how I should uh, be learning more on finger picking, which I have been. Yeah, that's cool. So, what was his specific interest in finger picking? Like, what what he, do you think he, he was, was more into wanting you to get? He was more of? bluegrass, so it'd be like a lot of double stops and a lot of the little uh, stuff like that. So, do you feel like with him, like he was trying to pass on some folk yeah. wisdom? He was trying to pass on like a way of playing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. I mean, That's I definitely cool. liked it. I mean, the way he taught it was it, it was different from the way that other people like other people would try to teach it to me, and like in a way, like he oh, was always cool. was he was always more relaxed, and he would be a lot more open minded to a lot of that stuff. And he he was never really big into metal or anything because he was more into bluegrass and all that. And man, he had always played like the mandolin and all that. But he was definitely open minded when it came to stuff like that, and gave advice. And that's how like one way, especially when me and you talk about um, the uh, all the theory. That's definitely like one big influence is for him because he could pretty much pick up any song right away just by. Uh, listening to the pattern of it, listening for like a one four five, or if it was diminished, mixed Lydian or Lydian. Yeah, that's cool, and that shows a knowledgeable musician too. You know, he's able to listen and appreciate outside of his genre because he's understanding it on the theory level. You know, he's kind of like he's seeing the matrix, and so in the matrix, you know, all people look the same. All situations more or less look the same. He's seeing the language underneath yeah. it. Yeah, that's very cool. And it's also, it's neat that you got to play some, to play with someone when you were that age who is as old as he was and like knew that traditional style, like someone who plays bluegrass and plays old time music from this part of the country like you know that's he sounds like the type of person who could tell you the story of when he learned a specific song and it might be from like you know someone that he looked up to and but you know it's like learning a lineage which 
I think that's the biggest benefit of studying with a teacher is just kind of absorbing the the unspoken lessons, <laughs> like history, the like the truth of it. You know, it's like, well, I know something about this music because I knew someone personally from the previous generation who played it. And that person helped me get the context. You know, I think that's what our teachers do for us. I definitely notice one thing about, about like, from lessons or from, like, anybody teaching you a lesson is the stuff that, it's not about the stuff that you listen to. It's about the stuff that you mostly pick up and you would play on your own. That's, like, that's how I kind of think of it, like, the main goal of teaching like trying to get somebody to come with their own ideas, but maintaining that idea that you're trying to teach them, but kind of keeping it in their own way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about teaching an art rather than teaching a science. Cause a science is like, I'm seeking reality, which is this kind of unfindable thing. You know, we're going to make better microscopes and better microscopes and better microscopes and we're going to be like, okay, now this is the fundamental reality. And we'll do that again anew every time we make a new technology to look at it. But art is like, has the artist sought himself or herself and found himself or herself in this? It's a process that, you know, you could make the exact same piece of art at two different times. And it might totally fall flat the second time because it's without its context and it's without the story of self-exploration, you know, like uh, to your point about trying to come away with something that you're going to incorporate into your own playing, you know, that you're going to play on your own. Um, You know, it's about helping people to find their own process you know helping people to like figure out what's going on in their lives figuring out like what's going on in their mind and like unify their art with that process rather than just teaching the craft of making the art itself which is super fun and rewarding but it's like you know everyone everyone learns different so there's not you know it's hard to be a good teacher quote-unquote good teacher like you might be really good at teaching one type of student uh, or you might even be really good at figuring out how to teach multiple different types of people. But then there's still the other aspect of like, okay, can I demonstrate for this person like how to be a musician or how to be whatever it is that you're teaching? Yeah. Because that's... that's like, I feel like right now, the most important thing to be teaching people is just how much everything is changing. I mean, thank goodness you are somebody who already is plugged into this future economy of this constant free flow of information. You know, you are on YouTube and you are in this new universe already, but I feel like maybe kids whose parents aren't so savvy. It's kind of just like helping them understand what a musician even does in society today. Um, But also to help them see like the new opportunity. Cause I think that, in the rock star era of mass media and like when we had TV, but the internet wasn't a big thing. It was like, we had superstars. We had Jimi Hendrix's and Paul Simon's and people that the whole country is looking at Mm -hmm. doing art. But now in the internet, it's in the age of the internet. 
the age of information, you know, we can see now how many people there really are who are making art at that level at any given time. And it's a lot. And so we're empowered as individuals. But then also when we sit down to make art, we can think like, okay, I can be a lot more specific. I can be a lot more insular. I can really tell my specific story because it's not like I'm competing to be some superstar. You know, that kind of was the last generation. I mean, now two generations ago, that was the game. Now it's like, I'm really free to tell my specific story. I don't have to like be the, you don't have to be the voice of a generation anymore. In fact, you shouldn't be the voice of a generation. In fact, the people who are the voice of a generation are the, you know, pop, trap stars of uh you know atlanta who are dying in their 20s you know it's not not good for business it's not good uh i know definitely like for any anything that you even want to like if you want to make a story make a character like this out of your head for like a comic book or like for an anime or make a song you definitely have to have imagination and imagine what you want to make it first you can't just kind of go off nothing you have to have an idea yeah yeah absolutely it's that pre-cognition it's visual it's visualization is what it is or uh for musicians we you know we would use the word audiation maybe but yeah it's being able to you know turn on the light in your internal environment. You know, I was talking to, I was uh, teaching my niece a ukulele lesson and uh, we were just going through a song that they had learned and we just broke it down. We were like, okay, this contains this chord, this chord, and this chord. But that's as far as we're going to go theory-wise. We're not even going to say the names of these chords. We're just going to play them in a sequence. And while you play them, just listen to your mind filling in the blanks. And she was like, oh, like the, uh, the autofill in my mind, right? Like the Google autocomplete yeah. autofill in my mind. And I was like, yes, well, you know, that's an AI. That's an artificial intelligence. Your mind is a real intelligence. And, you know, whether we're aware of it or not, the, you know, the monkey mind, the constantly active mind is like filling in tracing you know filling in all these dotted lines coloring everything in for us you know drawing all these conclusions and you can turn that mind towards doing creative stuff um but yeah you have to do this kind of like mr miyagi like meditation thing that only can happen in your imagination you know we don't have the technology yet where we can perfectly see and hear each other's thoughts even though we're getting close i I feel like there's an I feel like definitely, I mean, I mean, it might happen one day, but I feel like it's not going to fully happen, especially with like uh, AI or, or uh, yeah, with AI, like they're never, I feel like they're not going to be able to, because the human brain works differently than what a computer could pretty much make out of it, in my opinion. Like. I, yeah, I agree with you. Well, I'm interested to to hear what you think about this. Okay, so, yes, I think that we are a long way off from creating, you know, a human mind out of computers. You know, an actual, um, you know, AI that is doing the same thing as a human mind, I agree, a long time. But I think we're much closer 
to an AI that could fool a human into thinking that it was as complex. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think about that? Because we will. We will hit that middle ground, you know, that sooner than later. But I still feel like to a certain extent they wouldn't be able to because of the, like, the chemical reactions in a mind. Or, Or, like, how somebody can change their mood just like that. Depending on what's happening. Uh, okay. okay, so you think that there would be something that that like in me as a human in in encountering the AI, you think there would be something in my gut, something chemically still that just like wouldn't it wouldn't feel right. There would be still yeah, something I, inhuman I feel like about you it. You would notice one thing, and I feel like that one thing could set set it apart. Because oh yeah no so about last week I was talking about Fallout Four that it brings up this whole AI thing because they got a thing called Sense in that game and it's like the whole game is based around your son getting abducted and Uh you end up going to this place called the Institute and there's different rumors going around but. They're so advanced with their technology, some people can't tell if somebody's a synth or they're like, or they're a real person. And it makes a lot of uh, back and forth, like a lot of people speculating that you're not real or that you are real. Right. And that's, it's kind of like a, that's kind of like, it made me think a lot about it. And like, I feel like there's going to be certain things like, that like maybe like one or two things that you might be able to pick out that I feel like we can't completely nail down for like AI being completely fully human. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you there. But yeah, you're right that that this is something that's already been explored a lot. You know, even you know Blade Runner is kind of a similar thing where it's like you're in this in between space where you have artificial humans like masquerading deliberately posing as real humans because they're close enough that they want to be recognized in that way yeah yeah and that's an interesting thing too is that eventually we're gonna have both quote-unquote natural humans and artificial humans like uh, consuming yeah, media. I, was say, I feel like it's going to be Supposedly inevitable. Eventually, we'll have to write songs that artificial people like. Uh, so I feel like it's going to be inevitable one day. Like they're definitely going. It's definitely going to happen. But going back to the whole idea, I feel like there's going to be like one or two things that you might be able to pick out if you're smart enough. Yeah, well, that's going to be a skill. That's going to be a marketable skill. It's like, are you extremely good at telling the difference between a human mind and an AI? That's going to be, you know, you're going to be uh, in line for detective work and different kinds of, you know, some people will be very sharp to it. Some people will be easily fooled. Yeah. And, and like, with, with that whole Fallout 4 thing, like, it definitely gives a lot of ideas on the AI. Like, like their technology is, they're way more advanced than us, but in the same way, they're a lot more the advanced, if that makes sense. Like, their technology is advanced on what they can do, but they have, like, limitations because they haven't discovered exactly what we discovered yet, but 
like that are advanced, like a little bit more advanced than those. Right, so it's like it's uh, ahead in the timeline that it's on a different fork. There's missing yeah. information in their universe. Like, they got this little thing called a pit boy that just goes on your arm, but they still use like 1990 computers and all that. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, well, that's an interesting commentary on, I mean, even today, you know, because we're in an era where money is still limiting what people can get to. So even in an era where there is basically immersive VR and all of this stuff, there are some places that are completely isolated from that. And there are some places that are in this in-between space where it's like maybe people are walking around with smartphones, but there's also still, you know, people riding animals instead of a vehicle just because based on whatever is available in the area. But that's good. Well, cool, man. Well, do you want to change gears and do some, like, listening practice and that yeah, type of sure. stuff? All right. Hey, let me get my saddle and I'll give you some. I'm going to definitely, like, also playing guitar is kind of like, it's kind of like a strategy game in a way because you kind of have to think about what you're going to do next, especially, like. Hip- yeah, it's like, real-time strategy. Like, hip-hop and rock have, and just playing guitar have a lot more in common than I feel like people what a knowledge at times because you definitely have to have like you definitely have to have a good rhythm you can't just make something well i mean technically you can make something up but it's not going to sound as good as if you would plan something out but mm-hmm. then also at times you also have to be good at like how they would have freestyles you also have to have like a good like just freestyle like a lead or something yes yeah, and it's so cool how much real cross pollination there is, even in established people. Like, uh, I think I've probably talked about Annie Clark, who's someone I like. She has a band called St. Vincent, but in one of her interviews, she says that she tries to think of uh, like a gangster rap verse in her head. So, you know, in her head, she's got like Tupac or like Biggie Smalls going, you know, oh, 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 And she's like, okay, those are my hits, right? Those are my rhythms. And then I just fit that into whatever the scale is for the song. And that's how I try to make a, a rhythmically interesting solo. Yeah. I know definitely like for a lead, like for certain songs, I have leads that I like to. I like to play uh, like a certain way then later I'll just improvise over it like one of the first drop tuning songs I learned was uh, in due time and at the at the end of this before it goes into lead it goes into this little And then I'll lead into the into some stops where it would go. Uh, sounds a bit different, but something like that. I would do that. Mm-hmm. Then I would just kind of improvise over it. Yeah, and that's such a good. It's such a good practice because it's breaking things down into the skills like we're talking about. You know, it's one thing 
for me to be able to do the paint by numbers and paint something that looks just like Starry Night. But it's another thing for me to understand what the principles are that makes the painting look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stuff, you know, in the same way that rock and hip hop have the same principles, you know, all different kinds of visual art have the same principles. And then there's stuff that cross pollinates across both of those. You know, for instance, balance is something that we experience visually and sound wise. You know, like mm-hmm. if I hear. It feels good after that to hear, I mean, what would be it? To feel, to hear something symmetrical, to hear something familiar, repeated, is something that we see visually too. So, you know, you might see an image of a person and then in the background, there may be that person's outline. Or maybe this isn't, you know, it's an image of the Christ and behind him there's like the light shining. Yeah. So you don't just have the outline of a person. You have this, the same shape again, but you can tell they're related. The br- All right. Going, I mean, it's kind of, it's not off topic. I mean, it's for, I mean, it's on topic, but it's kind of with that whole shapes thing. Because in another Fallout, yeah, first- in another Fallout game called Fallout New Vegas. Yes. That one. Fallout New Vegas is definitely one of the it's kinda of like its own standalone game, but at the beginning, like like you were shot in the head and the guy performed surgery and he uh he gets you back to working shape, but he gives you a couple tests and one was like a picture test and you get to say what a picture looks like. Like one looks like it doesn't this is an option, but it looks like two bears high fiving, one looks like an ant head, one looks like a man with a beard. But it could also look like multiple different things, and it kind of makes your character in the end. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, what it's analyzing is, yeah, you look at an image, and based on who you are, what your personality is, what your experience is, you, yeah, you'll connect the image together into some kind of a story. And everyone has that the same kind of basic principles, like everybody, if they see, you know, certain things, there's like a family of associations that the human race is more or less together on, but you have your own spin. Everybody has their own specific spin. And like, yeah, you're so right. That's exactly what we're talking about when we're breaking things down to these broad principles of like balance or light and dark or fast and slow or heavy and light, you know, real, real simple things it's allowing us to, yeah, look at all these different situations uh, with kind of the same lens. Yeah. But very good. Shall we do some listening? Mm-hmm. Okay, and this time I'm going to give you all different sounds because I all think right. that's going to make it more. All right. One last thing kind of adding on that whole, yeah, that whole conversation please. is um, I know definitely one thing I'll do for practicing is playing. I have it for like a lot of drop tunes that I do is – I know it goes along with basketball too is like you need to do like a little bit of randomness to get like that much better. Like I'll do a back and track and I'll kinda of do my own leads over it. Like for blues I'll mm-hmm. I'll pull up a back and track if I'm going like to drop uh D, C sharp or C I'll do a backing mm-hmm. track. And it kinda of throws you off and it challenges you to make like it like I try to make it sound good but it's also like a challenge because I kinda of have to think ahead from what I'm gonna be doing. 
Absolutely. Well, you're giving yourself the right amount of freedom and the right amount of structure. You're saying, I am going to be improvising melody, but I've put myself in a tuning. For instance, I put myself in drop D. So that makes me kind of want to play stuff more in D minor, maybe D major. So I've got a little bit of structure there. And then also I'm turning the YouTube on and I've got a drum loop that's playing at a specific tempo. So there I've got a little bit more structure. Um, and I think that's why, you know, you're, you're finding your specific comfort zone of you've got enough freedom, enough structure, and then you're able to get into flow space. Because what you're talking about is there's a certain point where you're not really thinking so much anymore. You are kind of just naturally meandering around the fretboard. And it was something that you got to the point of being comfortable with because you found like your zone, your practice for you, turning on the YouTube backing track, getting in a specific tuning. That's your practice. It's also like a good idea to throw yourself out of your comfort zone once in a while too. Yep. hundred percent. Well, good. Any, any other closing points? No, that's it. <laughs> Fantastic. So yes, I love where your head's at with all this stuff. So anyway, we'll skip high and low. We'll go straight to rising and falling. All right. And I'm going to give it in different sounds. Here we go. Rising or falling. That sounds like rising. Yes, you're correct. All right. New sounds now. Falling. Correct. Rising or falling? Rising. Yes. Rising or falling? Falling. Yes. Um, rising or falling? Falling. Ooh, listen again. Rising. Yeah, you might have heard a high overtone. This note may have also made an overtone like this, or even that yeah. one. So you may have you may have heard that little overtone on that one. Okay, so here we go. Uh, new sound, rising or falling. It sounds like rising. Ooh, listen again. Falling. That one. Yeah, that so tricky. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a descending major third. That's like your doorbell. Ding dong. Yeah, it sounded like a doorbell. Yeah. Yeah, your doorbell, that is a descending interval. Okay, so bonus round while we are still in rising and falling mode. I'm going to give you something that's going to be like a chord motion, but it's still going to be rising or falling. It's just going to be more information. So instead of hearing something like this... You might hear something like this. All right. So here you go. So still rising or falling. Um, here we go. Play it again. That sounds like falling. Yes, correct. Okay. And one more of these. Rising. Yes, correct. Okay, so there you go. You're able to identify rising motion and falling motion, even if there's a lot of notes coming at you. That's new. I don't think we, we got that far last time. Um, yeah, let's just go straight. Okay, so 
I want to do major and minor, but then I want to add a third flavor. Okay. Uh, what you're hearing could be major. It could be minor. But then it could also be dominant. Dominant is major, but it's like bluesy major. Yeah, I can, I can hear that. So you'll hear different stuff in in a dominant feel. You'll be in that kind of zone. But if it's major, it's like a lot. It's like daintier. It's prettier if it's major. As opposed to dominant, the same thing would be like. Like that one note changing, that's what it is. It's the seventh. We've like taken the seventh from the minor and we're using that one instead. And it just makes it like sassier. Um, So, okay, so let's try this out. Uh, Major, minor, or dominant. Here we go. That sounds major. Ooh, are you sure? That is actually minor. minor. Yeah, the parent scale would be do, re, me, fa, sol, le, te, do. I mean, it definitely had like a it yep. had like a major type feel to it. So the melody, you're, so what you're hearing, yeah, there's this bass note down here. This is what keeps it minor, but what you're hearing is you heard this shape. Yeah. Which if I change the bass note, if I made that the root note, that would be just like do, re, mi. That's like Mary had a little lamb. So that probably your ear was just catching on to the higher notes because you recognize that shape because it comes up a lot in the, in the major world. So good. And we'll figure, you'll find out that most of the time you do something, you make a quote unquote mistake. It's usually something like that. It's some specific thing that if you examine that is almost always helpful. So here we go. Major, minor, or dominant. Um, Is that dominant? That one is actually major. You could have played dominant over that, though, and it wouldn't have sounded wrong because I didn't get to the seventh. So your answer is wrong, but it's the best possible wrong answer. (laughs) I feel like like this one is definitely harder on piano. Definitely. Because, well, here let's. I feel like I feel like on guitar, I feel like on guitar, like it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like guitar. I feel like I get it a lot better. Like I kind of picture picture the chords in my head, but definitely with piano, it's definitely a harder thing to do because I mean it's just Absolutely. yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. Well, it's, yeah, so it's, yeah. So you're you're onto something more than you more than you might even know we learn the voice of our own instrument in a different way than we learn other instruments so for instance it's very common for timpani players to have perfect pitch on a timpani 
So you can play them a note on timpani, and almost always, without even preparation, a high-level timpani player will be able to tell you what it is. And why is that? Because they're used to the voice of the I know. instrument. So, like, for us... I was going to yeah, say, go going with that whole pitch thing, because I know when I played... um. I was at a friend's house and I was playing his piano. I think I told you about this. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I could play the songs on the piano, but I'm like, I was trying to figure out because I know the piano is just is practically just like a guitar, and I kind of figured it goes eight, 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 all the way down. And yeah. I was trying to figure out with um, uh, I'm trying to figure out the correct term for the uh. The black keys for the isn't those sharps, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the black keys are sharp or flats, depending. It was kind of, it was kind of like a cool thing to learn because I was trying to figure out. All right, so I figured out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's the one. That's one scale. So I was trying to play songs based off that. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. The cool thing about the piano is that, like, for instance, it's very easy to figure out how to play everything in C, you know? Like, before we get to the black keys, just the white keys, it's easy to learn, ooh, yeah, I've got my, got the organ out now. I'll use it. Okay, so, yeah, it's easy to figure out, like, oh, there's the one chord. The two chords right next to it. You know, the the keyboard is really, really good for that. It's really good at showing you how to play normal, quote-unquote normal, major and minor harmony without a lot of help. What the guitar is really good at is playing stuff in different keys. So, like, once I know something in the key of C, it's much easier on a guitar to take that to the next key than it is on the piano. On the piano, I was not dealing with black keys, and now I do have to deal with black keys. So I had something that kind of looked similar, or kind of looked simple, rather, and now it looks not so simple. On guitar, the exact same hand position is going to be... Or rather, the hand position is not going to change. You would just slide it up or down the neck to change the key. Yeah. Tell me if I'm, tell me if I'm right, but isn't kind of like a piano just like... Isn't just like string for the scale, so it'd go F, G, A, B, C, D, then back to E, and it'd pretty much do that for the rest of the strings, right? F, G, A, B, C, D, E, and then from F again. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Okay. So, yeah, basically the the piano is like if you just had one super long guitar string. And then you can think of each one as a fret. So you can think of the piano as like one A string on like a super, like a drop A bass. Uh, yeah. I had this super low. Um, and yeah, every time I go up, no matter whether the next available key is a black key or a white key, I can go up just the same as you would frets. So like from A to B flat, you know, that's one fret, same as it would be on a guitar. Yep. Next note is B natural, and I can just go one fret at a time. But yeah, exactly. It's like one long string rather than having. So it's kind of like it's kind of like going all the way from E to E on the top, then you'd go from E to E on the A, kind of in that way. 
Oh, well, ask your question in a different like, way. You'd go from the first string to the 12th on the, on the E, and you'd go from the 5th to, like, the 5th on the A. Or the 15th. Oh, I understand. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, or to the 19th, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me... Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, it's as if you just have them all in one line, whereas in on the guitar, you end up in situations where you have multiple places to play stuff, you know, but middle C only exists in one place on the keyboard. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's... Yeah, which is interesting about the guitar, because what that means is that depending where we play stuff on the neck, the tone is different. And so if you are learning somebody's style on guitar, like all the time when people learn stuff from tabs, they'll have, they'll make technical decisions that like make sense on paper, but don't make sense when you're playing. And so they'll be trying to play something and they'll see C on the page and they'll be like, C. But it may be that what they actually wanted was C. And so on paper, this is the same thing, you know, this is technically the same group of three notes, but because I'm playing it in a different spot on the neck, even if it's the same pitches, the vibe is totally different, which, yeah, not as much of a thing on keyboard until you start actually changing what instrument you Yeah, definitely. Well, good. Let's do... One more mini round of of uh, quality identification, quality that is major, minor, or dominant, and then uh, I think we'll probably be able to. All right, that sounds there. good. Okay, major, minor, or dominant. Can you play that again? Yes. That sounds like a major. So it is major, but take it one step further. Listen to that. No, 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 that note on top. So it'd be dominant? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not just major, it's sassy major. It's dominant. Okay, here's another one. Major, minor, or dominant. kind of sounds major that one's actually minor. i mean that's what i meant <laughs> i would just say minor yeah okay so yeah minor yeah. dark and stormy okay and uh last one major minor or dominant that one sounds dominant that now that you mentioned that little uh, the little part about the about the little uh, the extra part, I kind of can I kind of can like, and how am I trying to say it? Like, I can kind of like I can kind of hear it a lot more better now. Like trying to listen out for that little, like for that seventh. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Oh, there's a certain feeling. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, 
And that's interesting, too, because we hear that a certain way as Americans. Like, the language of that, like, mixture of major and minor that makes the dominant sound. Like, we are very familiar with that. And it shows up in other places. I know. In other Definitely each country has their own, like, little bit. They're a little bit different style, like, when it comes to music. Right. Like, like for like an Irish type song, you can definitely hear, or like for a Scottish type song, or for like an for like an English or an England. Yeah, I agree. There's there's something about the folk style of a place, and maybe it's just our unique place in history. Like for us, because the Industrial Revolution just happened, and globalization, you know, it's like. Right now, we think of it as like, oh, you know, English music is one thing and, Af- or, you know, different African countries, you know, Nigerian music is one thing. Uh, South African music is another thing and, you know, country by country. And yeah, maybe that's unique to now. In the, in the future, it'll be more like this is music made by people who like Pokemon. This is music made by people who like Harry Potter. This is music made by people who uh, like long distance running. Right? Yeah. Like it'll it'll have more to do with what people definitely like. like there'd be from, more intensity all, or like more sure. like softness to it. More like softness, more like what? a lighter touch or like a heavier touch, depending on what you're doing. Oh yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like uh, um, industrial music from England in like the late 80s everything kind of sounds like a factory because there happens to be like factory that type of industry yeah. there at that time maybe maybe at that point it was already peaking and going away but yeah like people make music that sounds like whatever's going on definitely like especially Japanese music too they definitely have their own like they're more like a softer touch type music and they're like higher pitch a lot more too Especially like for a lot of for like a lot of animes, yeah, like, like especially for like Dragon Ball Z, especially for the new one, especially for the mm-hmm. new seasons of Super. If you listen to the Japanese version versus to the English version, there's you can there's a big difference uh-huh. there. Oh, you've mentioned that before. Yeah, even now, like list. Yeah, the like the pop I know, styles of both countries. Because I know, listen, like definitely for Dragon yeah. Ball Super, like there's a certain part of it where it has. Well, the music fits in so perfectly, but when you kind of listen to the English version, it doesn't fit in just, like, in the right way that the Japanese version does. Right. Yeah, man, that's such an interesting... And I wonder if, since they're an island nation, you know, if it's a little bit more... If you'll find musical things that are more, like, idiosyncratic, that more only come from there because they're, like, yeah. physically more isolated from the world. I wonder if you figure that out. Yeah, That's like, an interesting question. Like, for uh, Goku's, like, for the whole Ultra Instinct meme, if you listen to it for the whole, for the Japanese version of it, it definitely sounds a lot different from the English version. Because when I heard it, I was like, it doesn't sound, mm-hmm. it doesn't give off that same, like, I remember watching the episode when it first came out for uh, Japanese and it definitely had like that intensity behind mm-hmm. it. But if you kind of listen to it, like it, yeah. could, like it would send chills, but for the English person, it doesn't kind of give off that same tone. That same tonality. Right, yeah. It's one level removed, exactly. But it kind of also works in the opposite favor too. Like, 
to this one uh, series I was watching called Seven Deadly Sins, like the English, like the English for oh, yeah. like the English like remake of it sounds better I think than the Japanese. Like definitely, like for the soundtrack. Yeah, they just yeah they happen to have a, a good cast for the English dub. That yeah, that can totally happen. You know, same as anything else. You know, that group of artists happen to have a special connection with the material. Good performances, and the rest is history. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I think I've got to move on to my next step here. Um, but is there anything else that you want to mention or are curious about uh, before I send you off for another no, week good. of practice? All right, my man. Well, have an excellent week. Thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll do it again next time. All right, thanks for having me. All right, Later, man.